As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Spin Rate, the Athletic Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice, and yes, we are talking about your uh, wound-licking Toronto Blue Jays after a very exciting weekend against the New York Yankees. We do this show twice a week for The Athletic, which if you haven't already, you should go to theathletic.com slash spinrate and subscribe so you can read everything that is written by my co-host, Caitlin McGrath. She covers the Blue Jays for The Athletic. She joins us. Joins me today from beautiful beautiful downtown Toronto. Caitlin, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad how you're good. You? Yeah. I'm I'm well. I'm busy. You know, we're we're running around. We're doing the things. It's Father's Day yesterday. Shout out yeah. to uh, John McDonald, the most famous Father's Day moment in Blue Jays history. Although yesterday's game may be may eventually give it a run for its money. As I mentioned, Caitlin and I do this show once a week, but and we also do a show. Me and Ricky Romero, former Blue Jays All-Star. We do two spin rates a week. So wherever you get your podcast, go and subscribe to that show. Subscribe there. Give us a, rate, a rating and a review and all that sort of stuff. Today, we're going to talk about the Yankee series. We're going to talk about the Blue Jays walking wounded. And we're going to take a quick look ahead, probably. But let's start with what was a, a very interesting weekend against a very good baseball team. The Blue Jays are a good baseball team. But it feels like they, maybe the Yankees are a little bit better things were looking and probably feeling pretty dire when the blue jays were down big on sunday staring down the barrel of a sweep but alas they rose triumphantly and sent home many a father's day celebrant home happy with huge home runs from lourdes Gurriel jr and teoscar hernandez well jordan romano emerged from the bullpen and apparently the bathroom where he had a Stuart Smalley moment of up talk and, and positive reinforcement came out and did the damn thing. I don't know, Caitlin, what, what, if there's a takeaway from this weekend, is it, is it, is it more than just the blue Jays aren't as good as the Yankees or there, there's probably a more nuanced way to look at what happened this weekend. Yeah. And it's like, it's actually kind of sort of difficult to like figure out what it is to take away because it's like, if, 
they had been swept. I think the only conclusion that you have is that, yeah, the Blue Jays are a step or two behind the Yankees this year. And like, you know, they still lost a series. They've lost, um, is it almost three straight series to the Yankees now? They, they split the first one and then they've lost all the series, um, since one of those series being just a two game series. Um, so the Yankees are handily winning the season series at this point. Um, and so, I, I, you know, I think you look at the Yankees and they are a really, they're a really, really good team. I think that, um, are they as good as 120 ish win pace that they're on right now? I don't know about that. That is a really hard level to sustain. Um, but we are already in June, um, uh, June 20th at this point and they have sustained it thus far. So, um, you know, the Yankees are really good. And I think I wrote a few times, like, the the Blue Jays still, you know, are aiming for the division because as competitive athletes, that's what they're going to do. Like, that's what they want. Um, but at some point, you know, they may need to just focus on the wild card if the Yankees do keep up this pace because at this point, like, the fate isn't even in the Blue Jays' hands alone. Um, they would need other teams to start beating the Yankees as well. Just the number of games that they're ahead of them, um, 11, I think. And then the number of games that they have left, which is less than 11, means that the Blue Jays can't just, you know, win out from the Yankees at the point and, you know, take the division from them. They're going to need some help. But I would say that um, Sunday's win was important. Uh, it was an important I think more so even like emotionally um, than standings wise. I mean, like, like I said, standings wise, there's still a lot of things that need to happen. There's a lot of baseball to be played. Who knows how this, the rest of the Yankee season is going to go, blah, 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 all those things. Those things will work themselves out. Um, but the win was important emotionally because I think the Blue Jays were feeling a little like, uh, you know, wounded or, you know, they were a little offended about how, how good the Yankees were and how good the Yankees were feeling. Like, you know, early on in that Sunday game, I think there was a lot of celebration on the Yankees side. Um, I think the Blue Jays, uh, as, as, you know, competitive athletes can be, we were a little bit, you know, annoyed at, uh, the, some of the gloating that was going on on the other side. And so of course, when the Blue Jays started to mount their comeback, uh, they, they did their fair share of gloating and celebrating too. Teoscar Hernandez in particular, um, looked really pumped up for his home run. Uh, obviously he did a bit of a bat flip and then, you know, looked right into the Yankees dugout as he ran by, <laughs> um, there and pounded his chest a few times. So, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, a big win for the Blue Jays. That's sort of the consensus. And I think it's because they wanted to make a statement. They wanted to say, we get it, Yankees. You guys are having a good season. We know it. We're acknowledging that, but we're having a good season too, and we can hang with you guys as well. Um, and so I, I think that it was important to to ha- leave that lasting image. I think with the Yankees, um, for the Blue Jays to hit the way that we know they can hit. You know, Vlad had a home run. Tay Oscar had a home run. George Springer had a home run. Lourdes had a home run. All their big guys, or most of their big guys, stepped up. You know, had good games. Um, you saw Jordan Romano have a really good outing, obviously, from the bullpen, um, asking him for five outs, and he did that. Uh, Jimmy Garcia was huge as well in that game. Um, and so, you know, that it felt like, you know, a, a June June win is usually not – like I wrote this basically yesterday. It's like you can't really say 
a June 19th game is like a must-win game. Like it's not. It's not a must-win. It doesn't really matter in the standings-wise if the Jays win it or not. But it felt must-win just for like the Blue Jays to come out of that series um, feeling good about themselves, feeling like, you know what, we had two bad games, but we can we can still hang with these guys. It's really important to take a few different things into context, I think, when thinking about what the current state of the American League means and the fact that the Blue Jays are, as you, as you detailed, 11 games behind with fewer than that to play against the Yankees. Whether, it's, whether you like it or hate it, the reality in 2022 means the Blue Jays don't have to win the division to make the playoffs, Mm-mm. to have a chance to win the World Series. They can and will very likely not win the division. Mm-hmm. Um, because the Yankees are playing at a level that is like really difficult to um, contextualize. So the Yankees are playing the Rays tonight on Monday when we're recording this. If they win, that will be their 50th win of the season in their 67th game. Mm-hmm. How many times that's happened since the, since the end of the dead ball era, since 1920? That, that has happened six different times. One of those was, three of them are previous Yankees teams, but only two of those instances where a team won 50 games out of their first 67 games has happened since the Blue Jays have been a team. One was the 98 Yankees who won the World Series, and one was the 2001 Seattle Mariners who won 116 games but did not win the World Series. So, like, it's important to rep- – the, the win was huge. The win was huge, and it was huge for all of the mental well-being of everybody in the dugout to be able to, to walk out with your with their heads held high, to be able to think that, yes, what the, where the Yankees are right now, that is a very good team playing very well, but we can play with them. We can beat them on any given day. We, mm-hmm. we don't, we didn't, they didn't lay down when they were losing, they, you know, on the, on the heels of a, of a really tough weekend. They, they kept fighting and they kept playing, which is, which is huge. But I think the other side of that is like the Yankees don't control the Blue Jays' destiny. They they can't control what the Yankees do when they're beating up on everybody else and when whether or not they end up winning 110, 115 games. The Blue Jays can't control that other than the, the remaining, what, eight games they have left or however many games are remaining against the Yankees. The Blue Jays can only win the games that are put in front of them. They can continue to win. They can continue to build. They continue to look and evaluate at what they've got. But they can also measure themselves against the Yankees because if they want to win the World Series, which they do, they're going to have to figure out a way to beat a team like that, a team that's as good as that. What are the things that the Blue Jays can do that the Yankees have done? What are the things that the Yankees series exposed about the Blue Jays um, in a way that might allow them to kind of look to tighten up or look to fill those holes or whatever it might be? The most important thing, I think, is just that, yeah, the season is, is, is long. The season is far from over. Ideally, you win the division. You don't have to fight through the wild card, you know, mess. But I would, you would still rather be that other than, as opposed to, you know, when it was 1984, right? And the Blue Jays were, or, or even last year, right? Where the Blue Jays won 90 games and were on, uh, you know, on the outside looking in. 1984, you know, 1984 was the, before there were, there were wild cards or anything like it. And, and the Blue Jays watched as the Tigers raced out to that crazy start only to, um, you know, uh, to eventually go on and win while the Blue Jays, their first like year of being a good team, which I think there's probably someone else is probably going to, with a better grasp of history, will probably be able to, to tell that story. The Blue Jays in 1984, that there were only two divisions then. There were seven teams in the American League East and five of them won 85 games or more. Blue Jays finished second 
a distant second. They finished second 15 games behind after winning 89 games and then went home and then came back, of course, the next year and won the division. But the most important thing is think what are the ta- like think about the takeaways. Think about the things that, that you saw. As you said, Jimmy Garcia p- pitched really well. Jordan Romano came, you know, a guy we haven't seen very much of for, for a bunch of different reasons and just really, really pitched well. Uh, the Blue Jays showed that fight. The Blue Jays uh, fans were able to realize that Josh Donaldson is, in fact, the worst and were able to be able to rally behind his heel turn uh, that was there. If all, all any of us have been daring, dared to look uh, those, all those years ago, but uh, yeah, just a, a really, you know, again, Vladdy, you know, there, there, were, there are a lot of positives. There are some, well, there are po- positives to take away. Now, maybe not a lot. I don't want to, it's easy for us to get in the, in the kind of afterglow of a 10, nine uh, comeback victory, but I'll, let us not, you know, overlook the fact that they did get, uh, beat bad Friday night and then just beat soundly on Saturday with uh, when the, they weren't able to uh, muster any offense against uh, what's his name? Oh, Jameson Tyone who pitched well. And then the, the parade of Yankees goon relievers, just a, a very Saturday was like a dispiriting game. Alec Manoa pitched okay, but not good enough. So that's kind of how it goes. Right. Mm-hmm. But Again, I think there are a lot of, t- a lot of good takeaways. I think there are a lot of, it's important to like have, it, and in a way, I think what I, the last thing I'll say is that the, the setup is such that it's like, you can see where you need to go, right? You're like, okay, well, that's the team that if we want to win the World Series, that's who we got to beat. How are we going to figure out how to beat them? But there, it's not, it isn't going to derail our whole season and it isn't all or nothing. So gear up towards that. Keep winning series is against non Yankees teams and see where you stand come October. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, I think that you saw at least the offenses can compete with each other. Uh, the Yankees are obviously still the best offense in baseball, but the Blue Jays have been coming on lately. And um, you saw in that last game that there's certainly an offense that can hit with the Yankees. Um, the biggest difference is obviously the pitching. Um, and maybe it's, you know, the starting pitching for the Yankees, uh, I, I guess some people wonder like how sustainable it is, but it's, I mean, so far it's been sustaining itself, but yeah, the bullpen is a big difference. I think between the Yankees, the Yankees have had a good, good bullpen for a number of years now. I think, you know, last year was really good. And this year it's been, you know, the best bullpen in baseball. And they just, as you say, it's like one guy after another just comes out and just is dominant. Obviously the Blue Jays got to Castro yesterday. Um, that sort of was when it started to derail for the Yankees. Um, and then Peralta again to Oscar getting him, but um, yeah, the Blue Jays, like we've talked about this and it's pretty well established at this point. Like obviously the Blue Jays have to improve their bullpen. And like, that was, you could have said that in March. Like, I, I don't think it's a surprise that at this point we're like, yeah, the Blue Jays probably need another arm for the bullpen. I think when you even when you drew it up at the start of the season, you probably thought, yeah, this team could use another arm in their bullpen. And maybe you thought maybe someone is going to merge internally or whatnot. It hasn't really happened. Um, I know we'll get to this later with Pearson's injury, whatever it is. Um, but you know, internally, I don't think you can count on that at this point. Um, and so, yeah, they have to go out and they have to get an arm or two for their bullpen. They have to pri- prioritize someone that gets strikeouts, um, gets some swing and miss. And then they have to consider getting a depth starter, I think, as well. Obviously, Ross Stripling has done a really good job, but we saw like the limitations of a guy like Ross Stripling. I mean, he's going to build his pitch count up, you know, throughout. So, 
the way that it was, you know, he could only go whatever it was, three and two thirds on Friday because his pitch count just got too high. I mean, the more starts he makes, the higher the pitch count is going to go. He's going to get up to a hundred pitchers or so or whatever it is. So that's not, you know, the, the length of his is not going to be, you know, an issue forever as long as he stays in the rotation. But, you know, he also is a guy that has to be really crafty out there. And if, if you're facing a good lineup like the Yankees that can foul off a lot of pitches, that is a patient, disciplined um, offense, like it's going to be a battle for a guy like Ross Stripling because he's got to be pinpoint. He's got to be crafty. He's got to be beating guys. You saw like uh, Glaber Torres right, was like just having his having a day with Ross Stripling. Not that he, you know, he was just fouling off so many, so many pitches. I think Ross Stripling said he threw mm-hmm. like 20, 20 pitches over the um, appearance against Glaber Torres and they weren't bad pitches like they were you know he wasn't you know just laying it up for him but it was like Torres was able to fight a bunch off and that's that's something that happens with Ross Stripling sometimes like and he kind of acknowledges that he knows he's not a strikeout guy and he's not chasing strikeouts um so you know those are things that do you need another depth starter do you need a guy that can you know come in and, and be an extra starter or an insurance starter whatever it may be so like pitching that was the difference in this series. And I think it was quite clear that obviously the Yankees at this point of the season have the upper hand when it comes to pitching. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I think the uh, Sunday's game was a really interesting look at what a good offense like the Blue Jays can do, even against a good, the good and great pitching staff of the Yankees. The Blue Jays drew eight walks on Sunday, and that's huge, right? They made guys like like Severino work. They made uh, Miguel Castro work. They weren't, you know, again, it's hard when the stuff is so good and they throw so hard to um, – to be selective, but they did a really good job of that. And, and on the flip side, I think even Saturday, right? Sat- I think in, in some ways Saturday is like, is, <laughs> it was like a really dispiriting game because the Blue Jays pitched well. They didn't walk. Like if you wanted to drop how to beat the Yankees, you would say, don't walk more guys than they do and don't give up any home runs. If you, if you said, Mano- you know, the Blue Jays are going to walk three and give up no home runs to the Yankees in a game on, uh, you know, with Alec Manoa on the mound, you'd be like, You'd think that's a that's a game that they they have a really good chance to win. So they didn't win because the Yankees pitching um, was more than up to the task. But I really think that that's kind of a blueprint of of how they can how they can really bear down how they can how they can um, uh, kind of compete with a team like that. George Springer drew three walks on Saturday, all on his own. Good for him. But uh, you know the 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 strikeouts again. The Blue Jays also stacked up, uh, or the Yankees just stacked up the strikeouts. Sorry, in that game that made it made a big difference, but. You know, there, there, there are not flaws, but 
I, I saw a lot of people in the last couple of days kind of bo- not bemoaning, but you know, the, the Blue Jays sort of, um, player, maybe tw- player development slash like kind of found money situations. They just look a little bit different than the Yankees ones. And, and I think that that's where what you were su- suggesting when we talk about the Blue Jays need to go out and get some more swing and miss, do this, do that. You know, the Blue Jays kind of low, low caught, co- no, low acquisition cost players are the Trevor Richards and Adam Simber, right? Like that mm-hmm. those are tidy little pieces of business. And Adam Simber has been so great. No one would ever kind of sneeze at what he's been able to do. But like the Yankees probably paid less for Clay Holmes and like, look at what he's turned into. You know, Michael King, same sort of thing. Like they've got these guys who were, Michael King is sort of like a, like a, cyborg version of of ross stripling in a word where in a way like oh he was a long guy spot starter and now it's like oh no now he's like a multi-inning you know killing machine who comes <laughs> out of the bullpen and throws like a million miles an hour like everybody else but um you know the, i think the blue jays need that I, I, it's, it's so stupid to say we've said it so many times but like the blue jays bullpen is a delightful assortment of like eccentric reliever <laughs> types as opposed to just being like just a big goon who can come in and throw it past people it's uh it's invaluable and it's, uh, I mean, obviously the, uh, nice to have, but feels like table stakes at this point. If you want to beat a team like the Yankees, you have to kind of replicate what they do well. And I think, and that means getting big, hard throwing, bat missing monsters out in your bullpen whenever, whenever possible. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and I think you'll see it happen. I mean, I, the Blue Jays know they're a good team. It was like they know. I mean, they think. Last time I checked, they pro- they have the third best record in the American League. Like they're one of the best teams in the American League right mm-hmm. now. I think that that like I think the Yankees are like warping some people's minds as to like what a good team is. Like as you sort of contextualized earlier on, like the Yankees are not just they're, they're like an out of this world good team at the moment. Like they are, but like where the Blue Jays are, like on pace for like somewhere between ninety five and ninety seven wins or whatever it is, maybe less than that now. But, like, somewhere in the mid-90s range wins. Like, that's a very, very good team. Like, what the Astros are doing, like, they're a very, very good team. The Blue Jays are right there with, like, the Astros. They have a couple more wins than them, I think. But mm-hmm. um, those are good teams. Like, those, so, like what the Blue Jays are doing is very good. But I just, like, you know, sometimes I write um, and you would think the Jays are, like, a below 500 team, the comments that some people leave, um, you know, how the Blue Jays are just not up to the task and they can't compete with the, they can't compete with the big boys of the AL. It's like, they are, they are the big boys of the they AL. Are who, the big who, boys of the AL. Who are the, they, who are the teams that they're not, or they're not, they're the big boys of the MLB. Like, I don't, like... A, it doesn't really matter what the Padres or like the Dodgers are doing right now because the only time the Blue Jays are going to need to beat one of those teams would be assuming they get to the World Series. So like we don't have to worry about what the Mets or, you know, the Dodgers or anyone in the NL is doing right now. Like that's not going to matter until uh, the Blue Jays or, you know, any of the American League teams get to the World Series. So you need the Blue Jays to compete with the best of the American League right now. And they are absolutely doing that. Like they are, yeah, they're obviously behind the Yankees, as is everyone in baseball. Um, but they're right there with the Astros. And, you know, they beat the Astros in the season series, obviously early on when they were playing all those weird close games. The Astros also weren't scoring. But, um yeah, what the Blue Jays are doing is fine. I want to remind people, like, this is still a very good team. They're still in a very good spot. Um, they're still f- the first wild card spot. 
Um, it's it's also also kind of interesting, like when the Yankees face the Rays, because it's like, what are, what would the Blue Jays rather? Would they rather the Rays try to bring the Yankees closer to them, or would they rather the Yankees just continue like steamrolling teams, and so that you and so that the Rays aren't winning and the Blue Jays have more of an upper hand on that wild card spot? It's a very interesting choice. I don't know what the better one is for the Blue Jays' sake. It's, uh, I mean, obviously you want to maintain a hold on whatever playoff position that you've got. Yeah. And, and while it is, while it is advantageous to win the division, it's not beyond the realm of possibility to come out of the, the wild card again. This is a, a little bit of a new look wild card situation, but, but we will, um, uh, you know, you would rather be in than out. And with the Rays and the Red Sox, um, kind of the Red Sox riding the ship, uh, in terms of run differential, those sorts of things, Red Sox look pretty good. Um, but you would much rather be where the Blue Jays are than having to chase them down, mm-hmm. right? You would much, you, you know, while they have, do have quite a few games remaining head to head, you don't want to have to chase them down. You don't want to have to win, you know, start count doing that when they're counting losses. You can't make up, you, know, you can make up wins. You can't make up losses. You know, that's the, that's sort of how they do it. So just. Keep winning the games and, and be thankful of, again, uh, as you mentioned, the games that you won at the beginning of the year that maybe you didn't quote unquote deserve to. Um, I, I mean, I get it. In, in some ways, I get it. People are mad, right? They, they get real, they love, they, they're passionate about their team. They're passionate about the, the team that they support. And sometimes that passion turns into just like negative kind of sour milk and they get upset because the, they can, you can see the Blue Jays aren't as good as the, as the opposition. I don't, I don't necessarily think that that means it's worthwhile to like revel in your self pity and misery and like lash out like a big baby. But I think it's, it's okay to, to like, un, to be frustrated. And, and the Yankees are, you know, the Yan- Yankees are, it's a different kind of frustrating too, because so for the last how, few years anyway, since the Rays, you know, stopped being secretly bad was like, you know, you were, you were mad because the Blue Jays couldn't beat the Rays, even though the Rays are, they felt like they were doing something. You know, they're not spending money. They don't have big names. They don't have, you know, they don't have a murderer's row and they aren't the Yankees. But with, when the Yankees, A, they're just doing, they're doing it this way and they're winning so many games. It just feels like overwhelming, I guess. But, you know, like, like you said, the Blue Jays are, the Blue Jays are one of the big teams in the league. You know, you don't have to look any further than the Blue Jays expansion cousin Seattle as a, as a team that had the identical record to the Blue Jays last year. And then did, you know, they spent a little bit of money, but they, their, their bank uh, payroll is nowhere near what the Blue Jays are and they're paying for it now. The, the, the Mariners are off to a terrible start. They're going to end up, you know, what, what's the, what are they going to do? Right. What's Seattle going to do? With currently sitting, you know, just ahead of only only Oakland, who is like obviously losing on purpose. They are ten games below five hundred. Just like a miserable state of affairs for for Seattle or or even Texas, right? Again, a team that spent like a half a billion dollars on free agents <laughs> in the off season and is still sitting there below five hundred, uh, playing in that in that really not great division. Uh, Cleveland, Chicago, Cleveland, like there's lots of different places you could be where the Blue Jays could be worse, but that doesn't mean that they have the perfect situation. Uh, the perfect situation would be, I don't know, they win every night. Somehow people would find, like Yankees fans, find a way to complain. They complain about Aaron Boone every single day. Win, lose, or draw, they complain about Aaron Boone. Uh, the team's got one, is 49 and 17, and they're, they're complaining about the manager. They want to see him gone. Complaining about, you know, maybe they hit Josh Donaldson too high in the batting order. I don't know. There's a million things you could, if you really are looking for things to complain about, you can find them. But the Blue Jays aren't a perfect team, but they are very good. And they showed that on Sunday with that comeback win. They showed that by playing so tight and playing tough against the Yankees in a game that they probably could have won, you know, a few different bounces on on Saturday. Um, 
And now they will just look and look to take those opportunities when they go to do that as they, as they move on to play Chicago and Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Now, when they do that, they're going to have it not, I wouldn't say a new look, different look, um, but there has been a bunch of news in terms of injuries, in terms of weird stuff going on. Obviously, Hyunjin Ryu um, did, in fact, undergo Tommy John surgery and is out for the next 12 to 18 months, which means he has probably thrown his last pitch as a member of the Toronto Blue Jays. Is that unfair to say? No, that's not unfair. I mean, it would even 12 months would put him, you know, mid-June of next year. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. 12 months is an ambitious recovery time for, I think, any Tom Tommy John patient, let alone someone who is in their mid-30s, like Hanjin Ryu is. Um, so I think with his case, you're looking at probably the longer end of that recovery timeline, which, yeah, effectively puts him um, almost at the end. Almost at, That would be – the season would be over, right? Next season, 18 months. Well, 15 months from now, the season is over yeah. again, basically, so. right? So, so you know, again, that that's too bad. Um, really tough news. And obviously, the Blue Jays kind of baked some of this into the, not obviously not Tommy John, but baked kind of the front end, paved the back end. Um, didn't quite work out in that way, obviously, given the COVID season. And then, you know, as the injury started to build up and kind of affect him, or the beginnings of the injury, probably at the end of last year and then the beginning of this. But, I can't say enough about what Hyunjin Ryu has done for the team and what his signing signaled to the rest of the league. Um, as now we've, you know, as we talked about before, you know, would George Springer have signed? Which would Marcus Simeon had signed? Um, you know, if if Hyunjin Ryu hadn't taken the plunge back there at the uh, in, at the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. More injury news: uh, Trevor Richards went to the went to went to the injured list with an injured neck. Uh, it sounds a little bit suspiciously of like uh, uh, hanging change upitis. Uh, you know, fastball, <laughs> errant command, uh, flexor strain. Uh, but oh, I mean, I hope he's nothing. Uh, maybe he injured his neck, like craning around to see different balls flying out of the ballpark. No, that's mean. Uh, but they are without Trevor Richards. And then, of course, the other the other news we talked about: big, hard throwing donkeys coming out of the bullpen. Uh, Nate Pearson left his start his uh, his appearance in AAA after just two pitches mm-hmm. there on Sunday. So, not sure what to make of that. Uh, but not good, if anything. No, like, not good. I mean, with, with Trevor Richards, you I always wonder when those things come up, like, was the neck thing bothering him? But if he was pitching well, he would have continued to pitch through it. But that he's had some struggles and it's like, eh, the neck, the next thing, like, let's just take some time here. And obviously with the pitching um, IL now, it's 15 days. So they're trying to discourage teams from – doing those sort of like phantom IL stints for pitchers when it's just 10 days and you're just giving a guy like, you know, five days off and then he's back up or whatever. Um, so 15 days is a little bit longer. Um, but Trevor Richards, uh, like the thing is like, you can see how effective he can be. The strikeouts while not as high as they were last year, you know, they're still very respectable and you know, like, you know what he has to do to just, get to where he was last year. You know, obviously commanding some of his pitches better, not hanging um, change-ups, as you say, commanding his fastball a little better. better. Um, And so, yeah, he's a type of guy where you could definitely see maybe would benefit from a couple rehab outings down in Buffalo to work some things out and obviously to rest his neck um, here. But, yeah, the Pearson one is, um, well, 
doesn't necessarily affect the roster as much because at this point, Pearson was more of like a co- concept in, on the roster as not as opposed to a real thing on the roster, just because it's like he has pitched so uh, infrequently for the Blue Jays that it was, you know, you always kind of mentioned him, but it's like, a concept or a theory. Like in theory, Pearson could do this, but anyway, but yeah, so it's discouraging um, to hear that he left the game, which I'm just double checking how the Blue Jays worded it. Shoulder discomfort, um, right shoulder discomfort um, yesterday in Buffalo. So the word was that they're going to reevaluate, I guess, in the coming days, hopefully for him and for the team, but especially for him, because obviously it's been such a tough couple years for him in the injury department. Um, you hope that it's was some precautionary thing, hope that it was nothing major, but obviously it's not ever good when a guy leaves after two pitches, um, sort of immediately walks off the mound with a trainer, um, is what I heard happened. So not good news, not good news. But I, like as I say, I don't know that it completely impacts the Jays' um, sort of like roster plans because even the way they talked, like it was never like, yeah, Pearson's coming up. It was always like, you know, he has to earn his way up. And yeah, maybe in theory we could use him in this role, this role, this role. They never talked necessarily in concrete terms about Pearson because I think like you always just had to wonder like about the injury. And so I don't know that at any point this season the Blue Jays were necessarily like banking on like, well, Pearson's going to be in rotation like you or Pearson's going to do this or Pearson. It's just like they couldn't talk like that because there was just such a question mark around him unfortunately for him and uh, yeah it it is unfortunate you never want to kind of revel in someone's injury again i think that there's some kind of you you see in some angle in some kind of corners where people equate injuries with like a lack of toughness or lack of desire or want to do it which is so crazy to think because there's nobody who probably feels sicker right now than, than nate pearson but um we are all guilty of it, of falling in love with the radar gun readings and falling in love with the scouting reports and watching him blow hitters away at a, at a level, you know, in, in the minor leagues because of his stuff. But I think we talked about it earlier this year. Like, it was, it's crazy to expect anything. It's crazy to be anything other than pleasantly surprised if he was going to come up to the big leagues and pitch and, and pitch effectively in any role. Uh, he just hasn't hasn't had the health and this stupid thing that I say all the time, like a jerk is like health is a skill. And like, that's just one that Nate Pearson hasn't developed yet. Like there's, there's no other way around it, right? There's no other way to say it. He is again, Nate Pearson was drafted in, in 2017 and he has made 17 appearances in the big leagues, right? Like that. And, and a lot of those were kind of down the stretch, um, you know, in very measured appearances last year. When he was even then, like, oh, okay, maybe okay. Is okay even <laughs> fair to say? He was, he allowed his whip was 1.73, right? Like, he allowed a lot of base runners. He lost a walked a lot of dudes. Um, it's never, it has just hasn't come together for him yet. And, and it's, it's, it's so easy to wish on and dream on that stuff. But, um, until he's here and in the big leagues and throwing strikes and getting guys out, I don't think that there's, or even doing it at AAA regularly. Again, there was some talk about, just the way that he was being handled, even in AAA, like getting tons of rest, and like they've done everything that they that they think that they can, right? They, I think the Blue Jays have done everything that they know to do to get him to go and and be ready. But I mean, even that, he only pitched four times for Buffalo, right? He pitched four times for Buffalo this year and once in Dunedin. He's thrown seven and two thirds innings 
as a pro this year, which is like just really tough. It's really tough to, uh, to see, but the reality is like, there's no, it's as far from a sure thing as can, as one, as one can be. So the leaders are going to have to look elsewhere to find their big monstrous, you know, you know, bat missing, hard throwing maniac of a dude. Uh, Max Castillo, is he that? He had a tough introduction to the majors. Here's he got he got the most welcome to the show introduction I can remember. Mm-hmm. When he he gave up home runs to Kyle Higashioka and Marvin Gonzalez, like that is big time welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah, but then he settled down, got some outs, right? Yeah, he struck out Joey Gallo. Who among us? <laughs> Who among us? Good for him. Uh, but yeah, it's um. Are there any other injuries? I feel like I'm missing one. What about, uh, we haven't talked about Kevin Biggio. Kevin Biggio, the neck thing. You were talking about Trevor Richards' neck, and it made me think of Kevin Biggio, who kind of, same sort of situation where it's like, okay, well, he's, he's really having a tough time, and he's got a sore neck, so we'll put him on the DL or the injured list. And then and then you, if he was hitting, I'm sure the neck would have felt like a million bucks. But, man, Kevin Biggio had a good couple of weeks, but now he's kind of back in the same state again. Uh, he's, got, he's won for his last 16 with two walks. I mean, the guy... Over the last 365 days, he has a 287 slugging percentage. Like, I don't even know. Like, again, I think that the Blue Jays have used him as as well as and as as expertly as they can. Like the way that he's been uh, deployed so far in 2022, and 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 his looking at the stats again, he is like the best base runner that they got. But man. It's, uh, it's tough sledding for old Cabin Biggio at the plate, that poor guy. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is me mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Now the Blue Jays, as I said, they go on the road, they go to Chicago. Again, a team that has some similarities to the Blue Jays, but a team that could be way worse. A, a team that's a good reminder of where the Blue Jays could be and how bad we would be gnashing our teeth and rending our garments if the Blue Jays were in the White Sox state, which is that they had... Uh, a manager who is making insanely bad bad choices, who is way out of touch with the game, who is incredibly unpopular, who is squandering a, an incredible core, 
you know, the, 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 the Cuban expat team itself. So the White Sox are a team that the Blue Jays could easily look like, could be in a similar situation, but they're certainly not. Also, though, an e- a, a team that the Blue Jays should not overlook and should not walk into Chicago thinking, well, we're done with the Yankees. Now it's back to the back to the easy, easy, uh, easy sledding or mm-hmm. smooth sailing, whatever. Uh, overlooking the White Sox would be a big mistake for Blue Jays and Blue Jays fans alike. Yeah. And like you said, the Blue Jays could very easily be in the White Sox shoes because similar to the White Sox, like they really struggled to, um, you know, have their offense live up to the potential early on. And you look back at those, as you said earlier, those games that maybe the Blue Jays didn't deserve to win or they were toss up games and the Blue Jays were the ones that did score, you know, the two runs they needed as opposed to just the one felt like the White Sox were very much the team on the other end of a lot of those games where they like couldn't score the run they needed or they scored a couple runs, but then their bullpen, which is usually pretty good, uh, you know, blew up for whatever reason. So the Blue Jays avoided a lot of those types of games, honestly, early on. And so that's why they're not where the White Sox are. But the White Sox have been hitting a lot better, like as the weather has warmed and similar to the Blue Jays, like the offense has kind of come alive lately. Um, the Blue Jays face Lance Lynn um, on the first game of the series on Monday night. Is that, uh, n- you know, nice for the Blue Jays because it's only a second start of the season after he missed um, the start of the season, um, with injury. Obviously, he's been a really good pitcher over the last couple of years. He was a scion candidate last year and he was actually quite dominant against the Blue Jays, I think. Um, but his first start was kind of so-so. Um, he's obviously you would kind of expect maybe it takes some time to kind of for him to like round into form. So do the Blue Jays get a break there where they're still kind of getting like the soft part of Lance Lynn? He's not quite in his stride yet. Um, obviously, the <laughs> there soft are lots part. of soft parts on Lance yeah, Lynn. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's a big boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think like the Blue Jays, the last time they played the White Sox, um, they were playing basically their best baseball. That was in the midst of their eight game win streak when they swept. They had a couple sweeps in a row. Um, and so this will be a stiffer test against, um, Barrios goes tonight for the Blue Jays and he knows the White Sox well, they've hit him pretty well. Um, but he's pitching a lot better now. He's looks, looks like he's mm-hmm. at, at his best, um, the last couple of starts. Um, so yeah, I mean, interesting matchup. I think the Blue Jays, they would be very, very pleased to go into Chicago and get two out of three wins. Like that would be, um, you know, that would be a great result for them. I think obviously coming out of losing a series to the Yankees and splitting a series with the Orioles, who, by the way, I think we need to like remind people, I think the Orioles just beat the the Rays in a series. Mm-hmm. Um, the Orioles, it, I think, the, I think at this point gone are the days where you can just sort of like completely dismiss the Orioles. They're still a bad team. They're not a good team. But they've got good elements to their team now. Their bullpen's they, been pretty good. The, 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 they have some aggressive hitters. You know, the top of their lineup's pretty good. The, the starting pitching is still not where it needs to be at all. And that's their big Achilles heel. And they, so they still have to run out like the Zimmermans of the world and stuff. But their bullpen is really impressive. I was like, whoa, like where are all these guys with like one ERAs coming from? 
So the the Orioles bullpen uh, is a great example of, of again the thing the thing I think that right now folks are kind of fixated on what the Blue Jays haven't done. So the you know the Yankees are the Yankees and they in some ways get the pick of the their pick of the litter. Um, there's also a suggestion that the Yankees are probably cheating. God only knows what they're doing out there to like make these mo- like to take Clay Holmes, a guy who walked like four and a half batters per nine innings for his entire professional career, and now he comes to the Yankees and doesn't walk anybody. Like for, like you know I want to give Clay Holmes all the credit in the world. Because, you know, for, for making whatever changes and buying into whatever the Yankees are selling, but also like, maybe it's fishy, but they are able to kind of craft these hard throwing monsters out of nothing. And, and so, okay, the Yankees have a history of doing that, but the Orioles have all these guys, these like failed starters and like the Dylan Tates of the world that like the Blue Jays aren't quite there in being able to kind of claim one of these reclamation projects and take somebody who's got obviously great stuff and turn them into I mean, Jordan Romano is, is the one. Jordan Romano is even different and like unique in his own various ways. But, you know, somebody who's been, you know, I, I would love to see that. And, and, you know, I know that teams, you know, the old days, that was a thing that you would see guys do, especially for fantasy people be like, okay, well, he was, a, he's a failed AL East prospect and now he's moved somewhere else. And they've got a history of making pitchers into something. You know, I would love to see the Blue Jays be able to do that, grab a couple of guys who, who have that track record and turn them into something. And that's, because that's what the Orioles have done a great job of doing, um, but yeah, they 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 have a they have a non-zero amount of good players on their team now. The Orioles do, um, yes. and and they've got some nice relievers, um, but they don't have anybody to start, and the uh, offense mm-hmm. is really really top heavy. I don't yes. know that the you know are they going to be able to do the things that maybe the Blue Jays have done. Um, are they going to be able to like augment that that young talent with you know big 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 money guys are they going to sign their Hyunjin Ryu their George Springer their Marcus Simeon like are those signings coming for the for the Orioles who knows there'll be a lot of competition for those spots is that what their money ball Astros ball goof is is selling in the front office who knows the White Sox, uh, the Lance Lynn thing is going to be really interesting to me because if you remember Lance Lynn he throws like 90% fastballs, right? He mm-hmm. throws it. He, he'll cut it. He'll sink it. He'll throw it, you know, the four seamer with a bit more of that, that kind of, uh, the, the, the spin at the top of the zone. But I wonder if the Blue Jays might actually be a good matchup for him. A, when he's not, um, you know, quite himself, but like the abilities of guys like Kirk, like, uh, uh, Espinal, obviously Vlad. You know, even and Springer, guys who don't strike out a lot, guys who are able to put the ball in play. Maybe even we'll see like Otto Lopez get some get some reps or something in there. Just guys who are going to be able to pick take the ball where it's pitched and like and like uh, keep the line moving. They, you know, avoid avoiding the swing and miss and being able to to handle his stuff if, if it's where it's thrown. If he's trying to sink it, you know, uh, off the off the front hip into the lefties, if they can kind of stay off those pitches or fight them off or and, and pull them over the second baseman's head, whatever it might be. If he's trying to cut it away to uh to the righties if the blue jays are able like you know we've seen vlad do so well which is not try to pull everything go with it go the other way hit it to the right center field gap you know no one's no one's better than that at that than than bo bichette other than john carlos stanton for god's sake um, what a ridiculous home run that he hit <laughs> the other day that tablet's explanation for like how stanton did that it was like he just hits as far as far as fly balls farther than everybody else. Like for most guys, that's just a foul ball, but Stanton just hits it over the fence because he's just that strong and generates that much, um, bad head speed. But, uh, but yeah, I think, I think the Blue Jays and, and against Lance Lynn will be, Lynn will be a really interesting, um, 
uh, uh, matchup. Again, the Blue Jays, as we all know, are very aggressive. So whether or not they can stay within their plan and stay, you know, trying to drive the ball where it's pitched as opposed to kind of just getting pull happy and trying to yank everything down the line because they know it's a fastball coming because it's going to be a fastball. But they've been uh, more, I would say, like smartly aggressive lately. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like they're an aggressive team when they'll they'll swing at pitches they like, but they've been a lot better at controlling their swings and their p- plate discipline. Like even like Lourdes, you're seeing a guy like him, like take a, lot more walks than we're used to this year way more walks more than zero <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's got a six percent walk rate this he's, he's walking more frequently than bobichette and and teoscar hernandez i think that the six percent would be like a career high for him if he stayed in that range too there were there was a time where i was kind of tracking because obviously joey gallo walks a lot and it was getting close to like joey gallo walks as a yankee versus lourdes guriel walks as a blue jay but like in april when joey gallo had been a yankee for like three months <laughs> but but uh yeah he's uh you know we're seeing guriel it is 6.4 percent is his career high 5.6 percent walk rate for his career so mm-hmm. so uh, a new a, a whole new guriel um but and or even tapia right like obviously tapia's the guy that puts the ball in play a lot maybe he's a good matchup oh, oh, ramel tapia <sighs> I don't know. I don't know what to think. You know, he's not a good outfielder for one. (laughs) And he's just like, it's like the Blue Jays took, they're like, Hey, this is what he used to do. Let's change it, but make it somehow worse. I don't know. We'll always remember that one. He hit over the, (laughs) over the fountains in Kansas city. (laughs) No, he, he continues to hit the ball pretty hard. Um, I think he's, I think he's been a little overexposed this year with the injuries that Jays have had, but as a fourth outfielder hitting from the left side, what he's done in the last like six weeks or so, if he can continue doing that, I think I think you'd take it. You'll take it. I think it's a position they can obviously – even the fourth outfielder role is one they can definitely upgrade um, should the need arise. Should, should the Mariners continue to lose, maybe they want to get rid of uh, Jesse Winker. Buffalo kid. Bills Mafia card carrying member. <laughs> it's a name on my radar. But that's it. Caitlin, what else? What do you got coming for the people in the next couple of days and weeks? Yeah, we're working on like a AL East roundtable um, right now. Uh, me and the other writers it felt like good timing to do it this week because there's been a few um, AL East matchups. Obviously, the Yankees playing the Rays and the Rays played the Orioles and the Jays played the Yankees and the Orioles. I think only the Red Sox haven't been playing. They've been excluded from this AL East party, but obviously the Red Sox will be coming to the Jays, I think, next homestand. Um, so that's something to look forward to. And it's always, I think people like when they hear from all the writers getting the different perspectives and stuff like that. So look out for that later this week and more stuff from me, but. I'm ex- I'm excited just to watch uh, Lindsay Adler write just write LOL LMAO like over and over. That's basically like so. What's going on in the AL East? Well, I cover the Yankees and they win every night, and that's it. And I just get to pick a different guy. Like this guy hit a different this different person hit a 500 foot home run today, and this different pitcher struck out six guys. Not that Lindsay's not capable of more contribution than that, but what else does she need to say? She made a good point on Sunday. It got refuted. About how so that, that that was the other the other thing was like oh wait till the Yankees get into the good part of this of their the hard part of their um, schedule like, I don't think there is a hard part of the Yankees schedule unfortunately well this was it and like honestly <laughs> the this American League is American League is t- 
top heavy. Like there's like a handful of teams that are like the good teams. So if the Yankees are able to beat like the Jays, the Rays, and like handily beat the Jays and the Rays and Houston, which they're playing Houston coming up. Those are the basically the good teams. Like, yeah, they haven't played the Red Sox very much, so I'm interested to see how the Yankees fare against the Red Sox, only because those games are really like emotionally charged, and sometimes mm-hmm. like that kind of like revs up the Red Sox. I obviously I think the Yankees are a better team than the Red Sox, but it's just like I feel like they haven't played very much lately. Um, so like those games will be interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the hard part of the schedule for the Yankees is like. Kind of this, but like also they're just, they just beat everyone. And like sometimes like good teams lose to bad teams, like, mm-hmm. and they haven't been losing really to bad teams. Like they, or good teams. Or good teams. <laughs> like, yeah. So like I, 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 the further and further we get along, the less, like, the less and less you can say, well, maybe the Yankees will slow down. Like, maybe they will just win. Like, maybe, I mean, they're probably not going to win 120 games. So, like, maybe they're going to win 110, you know? Like, maybe they're just going to do that. And then if you're any of the other teams, like, you kind of just are like, all right, well, like, that's just who they were this year. Like, you can't really do mm-hmm. anything about it. Like, mm-hmm. Well, the the example I used was the was the um, the Tigers, right? The 1984 Tigers, who were famously, famously to me anyway, they were... 35 and five after their first 40 games. And then they sort of went into like just cruise control. Um, they won, they finished up and won 104 games that year, but they, then they also swept in the ALCS and, and won the world series in five games. Like they, they were able to like refine that high gear when they needed to. And maybe that's the Yankees again, like that, the number of teams that have that win say 50 out of their first 67 games, there's been so few and all of them, Except for Seattle in 2001, won the World Series. So, not it's obviously far from a from a foregone conclusion. And the extra layers of playoff um, make it that much more challenging. But uh, yeah, I I think that the idea that the Yankees are some kind of some kind of a mirage due to their their um, schedule is a little a little naive. But maybe that's what we need to hang on to these days. These these crazy, challenging, very weird times that we live in. Mm-hmm. But anyway, thank you for taking and spending some of your challenging times with us here on Spin Rate. We will be back later this week. Me, Ricky Romero, who who is back home in Southern California after spending some time. I hope you got a chance to check him out on the the Blue Jays broadcast or on the radio where you can hear him now. And you can hear Caitlin and I on our various and sundry radio hits. I got to go with Blake again last week. That was always nice. Nice. Always a delight. Always a delight. But anyway, her name is Caitlin McGrath. Follow her on Twitter. Subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash spinrate. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get them. And then we will talk to you next time on Spinrate.